Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. Now, you've all heard us talk uh, a lot about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports and is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Noah, how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. About halfway through spring break now, it's going way too fast, but really enjoying the, the warm weather down in Florida. Yeah, no, I know. I feel it, it always goes by way quicker than you want it to when you, when you have spring break. Like we just had our, our reading week last week and it was, yeah, it just flew by. I did nothing. So, but you've obviously uh, been up to a lot down there in Florida, which is very exciting because for the very first time uh, we can talk about the Panthers game and you were actually there. Uh, so, I was, I was. Uh, so before we get into the game itself, I just want you to tell me maybe about, you know, what it was like being at the arena, obviously with the, the limited fans and how everything was set up. Honestly, it was it was a very seamless experience. So we, I have a funny story about after the game as well. Um, we we Ubered to the game. We didn't drive there, so we didn't. I I can't really tell you about any of the parking experience. But we Uber there. We get literally like dropped off at the at the door, and we had club seats. So we went through like the special like club and lounge entrance, whatever. Um, Honestly, like probably didn't even get into six within six feet of anybody until the end of the game, like exiting. It was such a such an easy experience and it, it was awesome. And we got there like about I'd say fifteen minutes before the game. Okay. Um, like it it was crazy. It, it was just so weird to be sitting in those seats and like to literally have no one around. Personally. It was, it was kind of nice. Uh, you can put your seat up in the f- seat in front of you. You know, it's, you have a lot more room and the it's none of the seats are like really sectioned off. Like you have to know where your seats are, but like if I wanted to see, sit one seat over, I could have sat one seat over um, that. That's really how that was. Um, obviously we, we, the, I mean, food was open. We, the bar behind us was open. We, we, we had a few drinks from there. Um, it, it was just kind of nice not to have anybody around us. Um, and then at the end of the game, uh, exiting was seamless. It was just so nice not to have traffic on the way back. And then we got outside, waited. We were going to take an Uber to a sports bar but it was like $43. So just said like we waited for, I think 
no more than 15 minutes. And the Uber was went down from $43 to $9, which I guarantee you would not have been possible had there been full attendance. So just that, I mean, it was such a nice experience. I can't, it, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, it, it's like the same thing as a regular hockey game, minus those little inconveniences you get so annoyed about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you know, a really good experience. And like you said, you know, as much as, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, you're in a packed stadium with a lot of, you know, passionate fans and that energy is, it's a lot of fun, but they're all, there's also certain negatives that come with there being so many people and with, you know, BB and T center, it's an older building as well, where, yeah, you're not waiting in lines for anything. Um, you have your own little section. So it sounds like, you know, a really cool experience uh, and very different than, you know, kind of being in that pack stadium, but that's, that's awesome. I'm super. Absolutely. Jealous. And like, and, and from everything I hear, it was average Florida Panthers attendance, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. According to, according to everyone else. Yeah. It's average Florida Panthers attendance. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. Oh, be super cool. Uh, unfortunately though, Panthers unable to get the win in this one. Uh, once again, uh, losing in overtime this time. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on, on how they played in this one? It was you want to know what it was a really, really good game. You could tell it was two really good teams playing because there were honestly probably like no more than 10 scoring opportunities in that game. And four of that, five of them were capitalized on Um, very like defensively sound game where neither team really gets like, solid solid chances at at scoring and when they I, I think when they did they, they pretty much capitalized um obviously the Panthers like were going into the third down one nothing um they were able to get that earlier early goal in the third to, to make it one one and then um make it two one after that unfortunately Vinny Trocek decided he was going to spoil spoil the occasion um it is what it is. And then, I mean, just, I, I don't know if you saw the overtime goal. I think it was Nakash. Um, fabulous goal. Fabulous yeah, goal. really great goal. All, Nothing you can do there. Yeah, I mean, I, I was watching the game at home. Uh, I will say, at least on TV, it looks like, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the officiating in this one. I thought there were some, some calls that the Panthers maybe didn't get that – you know, I, I, I would have called something on. Uh, and I don't know if you're looking online, there were some other other Panthers fans kind of feeling the same. Um, and also, like, I, I, it was a great game. It was a really good game, very competitive. Could have gone either way. Um, as always, though, I always look at, you know, the deserve to win a meter on Money Puck, you know, after the game, just to see, you know, which way it was leading, you know, to see what happened. Heavily I'm curious about that. So I, I have no idea. I have so, no idea. I would have said it was 50-50, to be honest. So, yeah, I, 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 I would have given the Panthers maybe a bit of an edge. I thought it was close. Um, but they had it heavily favored towards the Panthers. Wow. Which was, which was interesting. And that's mostly based on expected goals. 
uh, and where the chants are coming from. So I thought I thought that to be interesting. I didn't see it the same way uh, as nearly as one sided. Yeah, and I thought Huberto played in a fantastic game. I just want to put that make that clear. Like he was, I, I, I I'm kind of hesitant to say by far, but he was definitely like one of the top maybe three players on the ice that night. Yeah, and I think that's been like the story most of the season is that in almost every game, he's been noticeably the best or one of the best players uh, every time they're out there, and a big reason why they've you know, had as much success as they've had up to this point in the season. Um, so. Yeah, he's – and he's always in that conversation, that dreaded conversation for most underrated player, and I still don't get it. It's like, can we just agree that he's good? Like, do people not realize that yet? It's it just kind of pisses me off. Oh, I know. It's, just, it's, it's the lack of coverage. Um, he just flies under the radar, which is like, it's frustrating, but it's also like at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm just happy he's, he's a Panther and he's playing as well as he is. And it's nice to see Barkov, like Barkov's had a kind of a little bit of a dip the last couple of years, but it seems like he's back up to where, uh, he was before that in terms of his two way game. Um, so just lots of positives all around. Um, the goaltending has been much improved. Uh, the defense, I don't know if you saw this Radko Gudis in an 82 game schedule would be on pace to set the record for most hits in a season by like a lot. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't see that. I saw it cause um, they, they obviously were recording on Wednesdays and uh, today's Wednesday and the Panthers, um, Panthers, for Wednesday it's I thought it was so funny and the other thing is like I think he was on the starting starting lineup and they they kind of have these videos of each player right yeah like as they're introducing them and his video is literally him gloves off in a fighting stance yeah, well, they call him the butcher, right? You know, he's the butcher. That's it. <laughs> it's the butcher. Yeah, it's what he is. He's it's what he does. It's it's. it's... Like, I yeah, I thought it was really interesting that um that he uh, sure that that he was kind of presented in that way because. Not a lot of teams are, are trying are, are doing that anymore, kind of advertising that fighting aspect of the game. Well, I mean, there's not really a ton of ways other than you know, you know, aggressiveness to, to really describe uh Radko Gudis's style of play. I mean, he is that like very much old school physical defenseman, like no fun to play against. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I, I have the tweet here of the, the hits. So uh, in an 82-game season, Radko Gudis would be on pace for 446 hits. Uh, what is that, like four a game? No, that's more than that. That's like five or six a game. Yeah, that's te- uh, that was terrible math by you there. Um. No offense, but uh, so that, yeah, so that would be... How many is it? Well, I'm not a mathematician, but it's at least five. 
and then uh, the NHL the NHL record for wow. most the NHL record for most hits in a mm-hmm. season is 32. Currently, he has 98 hits in 18 games. Matt Larkin of the Hockey News called it the 50 goals in 39 games of hits. So high praise. <laughs> um, okay, actually, I I do have the percentage. It's uh, 5.4 hits per game. Okay, so I was better with my second one. I said five or six, so I was I was right in there. Who did you say had the most hit? Who has the record for most hits? I don't know. Uh, let me just check here. It's because uh, that would be that would be an incredible trivia question if we ever had to come up with a trivia. Okay, well I have the answer. Do you want me to share? Or should we save it for a trivia question? No, you can share it, and then we know who actually listens to the podcast whenever we ask. Yeah, I don't know if we want to play that game, though. We might be upset that <laughs> no one listens to the show. Uh, regardless, though, the, uh, the it's not even that old in record. It's 2014-2015, uh, Matt Martin, 382 hits. Was that New York Islanders or Toronto Maple Leafs, Matt Martin? I think that was still the Islanders, wasn't it? Yes, that was with the Islanders. So, quite a few hits. Uh for Radko this thus far um which is awesome wow. I mean that's what what like that's what we expected of him and I mean you watch him play too like it's noticeable he's always throwing throwing the body um which is yeah it's it's great um and that's it, it gives it gives the Panthers like kind of another like way to sell hockey in Florida yeah and it's it's what he was brought in to do like Whenever you bring in a guy, like for the most part, like you're just kind of hoping they give you what you expect, and you're you're expecting certain things from a player. And Radko Gudis was the expectation was come in, you know, obviously be you know a good enough you know NHL level defenseman, but gonna be physical um, and not make it fun for the opposition. And that's what he's done for for most of this year. Yeah, I think that's quite literally like exactly how we described him. What well, when when the signing was announced is this was going to be a guy that was going to be able to bring a physical presence. I, I don't think we said I, I quite remember that we did not say defensive presence, um, but definitely like just a physical aspect to the game. Yeah, I mean, like there, there's some guys that are just like effective NHL defensemen, but you don't notice them out there, right? And it's like sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But like Radko Gudis, like you know when he's out there because you're probably, you know, coming away with a couple of bruises if you're, you know, an opposing team. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I hope we see a lot more of that this season. But uh, this episode, I wanted to talk about uh, the NHL trade deadline, which is coming up in a month, in a couple of weeks, like six weeks, let's say. Quick math. No, not as bad math. <laughs> Five weeks. Uh, it's April 12th. Um, but unlike uh, a lot of previous trade deadlines, this one is kind of, I think the anticipation is that it's going to be a lot of, a lot different uh, for a number of reasons, mainly because um, for, for Canadian teams and for, you know, American teams, there's, you know, there's that quarantine period of a new player joining your team. So it's not like you get the player and they're ready to go that night. That's not the case. Uh, for the most part, there's going to be that period uh, where they're going to have to be in isolation before they can join you. 
So for that reason, you know, teams will likely be looking to add guys sooner rather than later. So it's more likely we're going to see stuff leading up to the deadline than on the actual day. Uh, if guys are getting moved, especially uh, if teams in the North are looking at something. And then there's also just the fact that because it's a flat cap, there's a lot of teams that are really close to the cap ceiling, uh, kind of limiting their flexibility. If they want to bring someone else in, there's going to be money coming out. Uh, however, uh, for, for the Panthers this year, it, well, it's going to be different because usually they're kind of the last couple of years been on that like fringe of like, are they a playoff team? Are they not? Um, and so you, you, there's maybe a bit of hesitancy to go out and, you know, add pieces if, you know, playoffs aren't going to be guaranteed. And then also hesitancy to sell pieces because you want to make a push. Like last year, we saw Vinny Trocek leave, Ericala come in for a little bit. Uh, but the big advantage for the team really is that going into this trade deadline, they're not hard pressed to the cap. Right. And so if, yeah, that's, yeah, a huge advantage for them, especially given their, their, their position going into the playoffs. Yeah. So, and yeah, so they're in a spot where it looks like, like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying, that, yeah, this is going to be a playoff team. Um, and they have the money in the, to the, the space to make a move and, you know, take on some cap, whether that's what they're willing to do. I, I'm not sure just because of the, you know, the overall financial implications of the pandemic and everything. Um, but it is an option for them, uh, which can be a bit of an advantage over some other teams that are pretty close to it, uh, which is quite a lot of teams. Uh, but there's, there's a number of names out there uh, right now. Uh, so I'm just going to throw some names out there at you and we'll, we'll talk about them and uh, we'll see what, uh, see what you're thinking. Uh, they're like the, the first name on this, this list that I got here, it's Dougie Hamilton. I don't suspect Carolina would a want to move him. They look to resign him and B I don't anticipate they'd be willing to trade him uh, to a division rival, even though they did make that move at last year's deadline for, for Trocheck. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I don't think Hamilton's going anywhere. Um, I think he's carved out such a nice spot in Carolina. I, it's so hard to see a move. I, I doubt it's it happens. Yeah, and the report is that he's looking for Petrangelo money and Carolina's looking more Tory Krug money, um, which if you ask me, I think he's much closer to a Petrangelo number, especially considering, you know, his age, he's still a very young player. And in my mind, he is, you know, a top defenseman in the league. So I, I, I don't see him. Uh, really going anywhere, but it was just a name that was thrown out there. Um, the next couple names uh, come to us from another divisional opponent, uh, the Nashville Predators, who have pretty much gone out and said they're untouchables right now, or I think they said Ellis, Yossi, and Rene. Yeah, and I mean, realistically, I don't think anybody would go for Rene. Um, well, and that, and, that, and that would be the general thought is that, you know, they want him to be a predator forever and with his contract and with his play, it doesn't make sense to move him. And I don't think anyone's really looking for him. Exactly. And I mean, I, the other two obviously make a lot of sense. Maybe um, Ellis a little less than Yossi. Yossi's obviously probably like top five defenseman in the league. Unfortunately not right now. I think he just went on the IR. Um yeah. 
it's interesting because I don't think there's any chance that some of the people that they have not marked as untouchables, I don't think there's any chance they get moved. Uh, Matt Duchesne, I don't think there's any chance. No, Ryan Johansson, no chance. Yeah, no, no chance. But, I mean, I would, I would definitely love to have Philippe Forsberg on my team. I just think it's going to be such a hard move for those the, those higher end players. But I think there's definitely room that, like, if you want to, if you want to grab a rental piece, one of those players that that, that signed it short term. Um, I'm not familiar with his numbers, but I mean, you could take a flyer on Michael Granlund for a year. Well, yeah. So Michael Granlund is uh, one of those names that's been uh, out there that they would probably look to move. He signed late he, in the offseason. I was going to say, he's a guy that signed late who wasn't even sure he was going to play in Nashville this year. Yeah. it's So there, there is that. Philip Forsberg's a really interesting one to me because, you know, maybe his offense and numbers, like, they're not, like, sparkling to the same degree that other players are. But, like, I'm a big Philip Forsberg fan as you know, what he can do in his 200 foot game and the different elements, uh, the skill, the physicality that he has. Uh, and he's got one year left at $6 million. Um, and I imagine there would be a lot of interest in him. Uh, do you see a potential fit in Florida? And if you do, what do you think a package would have to look like? So I'm not going to say there is no fit. Um, what I will say is it's not worth it. Um, I think that he's he's still very young. He has a tremendous amount of potential. Um, I think that it's going to be really hard to get a deal done for him with Nashville, and I I'm not willing to sacrifice any of Florida's pieces for him. Um, that being said, if they want Bobrovsky, I'd do a one for one. Yeah, which I doubt. Well, and that's the thing too. Like for Nashville, like obviously you want a great return because Philip Forsberg's a great player, but you did get Philip Forsberg from Martin Erat. So at a certain point, you're playing with house money. At a certain... 100%. There's no better way of putting it. Right. Like there's no way you could trade away Philip Forsberg and be like, wow, we really lost this whole Forsberg situation. It's like, no, like you got him for almost nothing. Like Michael Latta and Martin Erat. And you got some great seasons, a Stanley Cup final appearance. And then whatever some team's going to give up for him. Uh, <laughs> and like, I like him and I would be for sure willing to pay, you know, a lot for, for a guy like that, but I just don't see it being the main priority for the Florida Panthers. I mean, the, the problem is that you, you you trade for a guy like that. He's not a rental piece. You're, you're keeping him long-term. And as you said, he has one well, you year hope left. You, well, you, hope you, you hope you can keep him long-term. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying, that you're, you're trading for him. And the expectation is he's going to be signing another, what, like four to seven year deal with you. Yeah. Um, that's not going to be cheap. You have to keep in mind the extended salary cap implications. And I think for a team like Florida, that's just not wise to do. Yeah. The thing for me is like, like basically, like, let's see. He doesn't resign. Like worst case scenario with Philip Forsberg, you're getting two playoff runs out of him, right? Assuming you're comfortably a playoff team in both seasons and he helps out. Um, but I just see the need for Florida mainly being more so uh, on the defensive end. And with that, uh, also from the National Predators, Matthias Ekholm. I w- yeah, he's uh, 
I think a solid maybe number four, possibly number three defenseman. Um, I, yeah, I would trade for him in a heartbeat. Um, just such a nice like depth piece that could kind of, you know, like just take you over the edge. Um, yeah, like he's that perfect, and, and like very reasonable price, I would assume. Yeah, the thing that I mean, like Matias Ekholm, like he's an excellent player defensively, which is something I think Florida might look at as, you know, something they want to prove upon. Um, and he can move the puck decently. He's big. He's mobile, right? He's not going to put up a ton of offense. Like I think his career high in points is like, oh, he actually had forty-four points, uh, you know, two seasons ago. But like he's more so like a you know. 20, 30 point defenseman. He's got seven points this year. He has one year remaining after this one at $3.75 million. So I think definitely someone the Panthers should be interested in, whether Nashville wants to, to send him south. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you- that's, that's the big thing. You're, you're, you're kind of trading with someone that wouldn't be in the same division normally, but is Just for this because year. of COVID, you're, you're, you're division rivals, and you have to remember that. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, so if you're the Panthers, you're looking at Matias Ekholm, what is the offer you're making? What's a reasonable offer for Matias Ekholm? Um, I, I assume you don't have to send a player back. I think you could get Ekholm for as much – as a third round pick. Really? I think his value is way higher. How long, how much longer does he have in, on his contract? He has one more year. So he's a, like a two year rental basically, or you can resign. Okay. Him. Okay. Right. And there's the fact that like, I would imagine he would be very highly sought after. Like he's a very good defenseman with like, like good- I'm not giving up a prospect for him is kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at. Um, but I think you have maybe to. a second, maybe a second and a third. I think for me is like I think you have to give up a prospect for him because I think Nashville's looking at you know future assets and sure a pick's great, but I think it takes more than a second rounder for a guy like that. I'm I'm trying to think what Brandon Dillon went for to the to the Caps last year. Okay, and but- do you think do you think that Ekholm is better than Dillon? I think he's a lot better. I think he's much better. And like, Dylan went for a very steep price. Yeah. Which I think just shows you, because like, I think that just shows you how people, or at least how teams feel about defensemen of that mold. Um, and I think there, there is a significant value. Brendan Dylan went for a second and a third. Which is what I basically just said. Um, so would you be willing to pay for two two seconds for Ekholm is the question. And honestly, probably. I'd not I would definitely not give up a first, but I'd give up two seconds for Ekholm. Yeah. Now it's worth noting the big difference is that Brendan Dillon was a UFA. Exactly. And what about Alec Martinez to Vegas? Because that's the other comparable I'm kind of thinking of. Although I would assume Martinez is a bit more of an offensive guy, though. I don't know about that. 
Two seconds. And would you say Ekholm is within Martinez? Yeah. Yeah, I would. And I feel- Which is like, or he, he's kind of in, in my opinion, Ekholm's kind of in that, in that no, space I think, where. I, I think you're right. I, 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 I wouldn't quite be ready. I, I wouldn't be quite be ready to give up a first for Matthias Ekholm. But he, based on precedence, that's what he should go for. But I'm not really willing to pay for that. Is He's kind of in that gray area of, is there going to be a team actually offering that much? And if not, is he are, are they going to be content with giving him up for, what, like two seconds? Well, that's the thing. Like, for me, like, I think, you know, a package would have to be – I would be one to do two seconds – and like a decent-ish prospect. Like I'm not talking Tippett or Denisenko, but if you said, you know, Ty Smolanich or I don't know, like even like a Heponiemi type, like, yeah, I'm doing that for sure. I mean, you know how I feel about Heponiemi. I, I, yeah, I would. But those are, those are just like, like I'm, those are just two names I was throwing out there is that type of prospect of that caliber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the thing, like, like to me, there's no hesitancy because two second round picks, like if you look at the, the percentage of a chance you're going to hit on those two seconds, it's low. Combining the fact with that this year, your scouting and drafting is going to be heavily skewed because a lot of players haven't played. So you, your chances of messing up are even greater. I have no hesitancy giving up a, a, like picks like that, especially yeah. for a guy you can keep for two years. And I think he'd be the perfect fit, but I don't know if, if that ends up happening. Uh, but we'll move on here because uh, there's there's a lot of names to go through. So we'll just rattle some off here real quick. Um, obviously, there's the Buffalo Sabres. There's Jack Eichel. Does he want out? And then there's Taylor Hall. All I right. Mean, I think I think we'll I, th- I think we're getting close to the end of the podcast. So maybe we'll we'll do these two names and then we'll we'll try and keep some more for for more episodes. Yeah, we'll talk some more next episode because I got a lot more guys. Because I, I feel like we can talk, we could probably have an entire um, episode on just Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. That is true. Um, why don't we here? We'll move. We'll, instead of doing that, we're gonna. I'll talk, we'll talk about another guy, and then we'll talk about Hall and Eichel next week or next episode. Um, here's here's an interesting guy. Uh, He's an RFA, and if this team slips a bit, he's on a pretty good deal, and they might not be able to afford him. Adam Pellick from the New York Islanders. That's a that's a very interesting name that I I haven't really like thought about. Um, can you remind me what is what's his contract? It's a bargain. It's he's got. This is his last year at one point six. Uh, reports are that on an extension, it would be around a four by four, which I think any any team would be willing to pay. Um, obviously, a fairly sound defensive player, but you're you're by trading for Adam Pellick, you are taking him out of the Barry Trot system. Well, a system that's fairly notorious for being very heavily defensive. Um, 
which like so i i get that right but then yeah like as much as it's okay he's coming out of that system it's like well he spent years in that system can that system rub off on the guys around him um and he's been uh he, he signed his, his deal kicked in in 2017 2018 which i believe was either the year before trots got trots got there or the year he did get there I, i'm not 100 certain um but it was a i remember it was a peculiar deal when he signed it because he only played 53 games and they signed him for four years at 1.6 now that deal looks like a bargain for the Islanders over its duration. Um, like I said, he's an RFA. He's 6'3", 218. He's a big guy, like cannon of a shot. Uh, I don't even know if the Islanders would be looking to move a guy like that, depending on you know how things shape up in the standings. Um, but an intriguing option for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I think it's, as you just said, it's going to boil down to do, do they feel comfortable moving him depending on where they are in the, those standings. Is can, can you give up a guy like that and either A, still make the playoffs, or B, are you accepting that you're not going to make the playoffs? Like, like, they're, like they're, they're in a good spot right now. Like. Uh, they, they've been one of the best teams since I think February or whatever. Like I, I, their, I their last, that. yeah, their last 10, they're seven, two and one on a two game winning streak. The only like, and if they keep that up and they're in the playoff position, it makes it difficult. But then if they feel like they're too pressed to the cap that they won't be able to resign them, then would they look to move him for current assets that are in a similar spot? Yeah, I, I really don't know. I guess mean, in the future. Uh, it's a very, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you for a fact that I would like love to have a guy like that on my defense. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to whether or not Lou wants to trade him away from, from the Islanders because if he gets traded away, you're expecting – probably similar to Brandon Dillon numbers like a second and a third. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. And, I don't... and, and as you said, it, it, do you trade him away for current assets? And then you have a lot of cap implications because this guy's only getting paid 1.6 is can you actually find a comparable? That's not going to bankrupt you. It's, it's a tricky situation. I don't like, I think the chances of him moving are low. I just thought yeah. I'd bring it up for that. Um, before we go, okay, one last player I want to talk about. All right, one last player. A team that's struggling lately, Columbus Blue Jackets, Bill Zito's former team, David Savard. Yeah, I would – honestly, Columbus seems like a team where, like, nobody should be an untouchable other than one of your goalies, obviously. And line A because you just brought him in. So you're not, not even well like you bring in a guy and i think they want him to be their you know their go-to guy um so line, I, but line line is line an rfa or ufa at the end of this contract i don't know i think but he's I think, still an rfa but if 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 the indication is that he wants to resign they'll pay him what he wants to stay there yes yes right? absolutely because and, he 
he's a superstar caliber player. Yeah, and they need that there in Columbus. So, like, obviously, yeah, Columbus can move a lot of different guys, but I think David Savard is a name that would gain a lot of interest from around the league and makes a lot of sense. Um, he's a 30-year-old defenseman, right shot, big, physical, can move the puck, just a well-rounded guy in his last year of a $4.25 million deal, so a pure rental, essentially. Yeah, um, and just because – just based on how saturated the cap is, they'll probably need to maybe retain like a million. Probably a little. Well, like, unless it was Florida. Like, unless it was a team at the space. I mean, even Florida, I think they would have to send cap back. You think? I'm pretty sure Florida is looking at three point maybe nine in cap space 5.7 with 5.7 5.7 current cap space deadline cap space of 14.7 total cap hit right now 78.23 so essentially they have they, they have they they can make it work without eating salary well okay well wait, wait. i'm looking at this and it says current cap space 5.7 projected 3.2 yeah, projected 3.2, current 5.7. What's projected taking into account then? Why is there another 2 million? Probably IR. Oh, yeah, yeah, because of... Um, Duclair and Nidavara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so like, like they might have to send money back, but like no shortage of money to send back. And B, like you, you move some guys around, you throw them on the taxi squad, like it... I think that there's a way to make it happen. If you're the Panthers, though, what do you think would be an offer for for David Savard to come in, you know, and play on a second pairing with Keith Yandel? Um, I might look at I mean, if they want Anton Strawman. Um, Doubtful. <laughs> you could trade away Noah Jolson. Um, Does he you know, like? Is there any value there? No value there. No, one hundred percent. So as you said, maybe one of those th- those prospects, um, like it's 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 interesting. I'm always a big like advocate for picks at the deadline, like trading picks or acquiring. Yeah, picks. yeah, yeah. No trading picks because it's assumed that you're not going to have high draft picks if you're trading for a better player. See, I'm also like, I'm a big fan of trading prospects too. Cause like realistically, if you're in the Panther situation where it's like, you only got a couple years left of Barkov and Huberto on these great deals. Like you got to find a way to con- you know, compete while they're yeah. on those contracts. And the reality is, is that even for, you know, some really good prospects, they're not going to help you in that window. Right. Exactly. So, like, I think uh, anyone not who's not Owen Tippett or just Denisenko or Lundell or Spencer Knight should absolutely be on the table. Minus um, uh, Devin Levi. You know, maybe. I He's... He's an interesting case because it's like he showed up really, really like 
strong at the world juniors and he came out of nowhere and it's kind of tough to and there's no way there's no way of knowing to be honest is is this guy overhyped or is he accurately hyped well yeah i think stuff to say like i think obviously at the world juniors the hype you know got a little bit too high but like the really that's what you think yeah but the concern is that like the really the issue was that hey like this is a guy who was not played at a very high level ever right he played in the cchl last year right but at the same time everywhere he's gone he's played exceptionally well and at a certain point you like again you never know until you know how they play until they play against better competition but i think you know he's put people on notice I don't anticipate anyone be looking at Devin Levi to bring him in. I don't think the Panthers will be looking to move him anytime soon until they are more certain about what he is as a prospect. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think there's, there's a couple of guys that might, you know, peak interest of some teams uh, like Kolya Chonik as a defenseman or like Saran Noel, Haponiemi, like Chase Prisky you know, some names that, yeah. that might draw some interest as a starting point and you can build around that. Like if it's one of those prospects, a roster player and a pick, you know, which is a lot for, for a rental. Um, but then there is also the, the potential that maybe you resign. Uh, exactly. You resign them. There is a little bit of money coming off the books next year. Not a ton, but like a smidge. Yeah. Um, and there's also, you know, some significant guys that you might want to resign. But I think, I think now is as good a time as any to, to take a shot. Right. And especially with, yeah. with a guy like David Savard, too, where it's coming from Columbus. So you know that Bill Zito knows this player, right, very, very well. So he'll have a little bit of a better gauge on, you know, how he might mix into the room, how his play style. Uh, will work with other guys. So maybe that little bit of understanding might, you know, increase the confidence level that he's going to, that he could help the team. 100%. Um, And and definitely if the Panthers are serious about making a run this year, they're going to have to bulk up. They're going to have to get some more pieces because I mean, like unless we see a Cinderella run, we're not looking at a Stanley cup champion team. No, right. Like we're not, but at the same time, you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. 100%. Right? And especially you have, get if, if you have that additional piece, who knows? Yeah, it, it, that's just how it is. So we'll see what the team does. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about some trade deadline stuff in future episodes, uh, but we'll end it off here because we're running a little bit long and it's late and I would like to go to sleep. So uh, thank you to everyone tuning in. We will be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Uh, So thank you and we'll see you all then.